Chaplin. <laughs> Welcome to the market. Hi. Go ahead and park it. Hope that you are starving. Debbie Roots Deep got me thinking it's a parsnip. Every week I get knowledge to go. A year before everyone, how did they know? Figuring how they go college to pros. I pop it on listen and now I'm the pro. I'm still trying to grow. And they do the same. Hundreds of teams, too many to name. And yet they are filtering everything. Only the best, Shane Hallaman Kane. Marketplace, marketplace. Debbie is everything, marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Market Marketplace, marketplace, Debbie is everything marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Hey! Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Debbie Marketplace Podcast. Kane, Shane, and Nelly back with you again. And we are in Devi month. Obviously, it didn't count last week because we had to talk about rookies because of the NFL draft. But the next four weeks, we're talking about all Devi football. It's going to be a mix of strategy. There will be a mock draft thrown in there. There will be just a bunch of Devi content because we know we got to get back to that. It's not just rookie talk all the time on here. We got to make sure that we talk about that as well as Devi content. But Shane, I'm just going to ask you this question right out of the gates. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Who is your favorite person to watch in college football on the offensive side of the ball? Ooh, my favorite person to watch. Um, you know, honestly, so this past year, probably outside of Ohio State, it was um, it was Xavier Worthy. I think Xavier Worthy was my favorite player to watch because, like, Texas wasn't that great. You know, the quarterback play was not that great. They did lose to Kansas, so they did lose to Kansas. But he was man. Every time they threw him the ball, he would just do wild things. I think that's why I'm so high on him. Is in my top ten Devies. Um, I, I think he's just gonna be a smash in the NFL when he can play like that. It's like uh, Ron Rivera when he was introducing Jahan Dotson. Basically, just talked about how bad Sean Clifford sucked for like 20 minutes, right? I like. I feel like that's that was me watching Texas football. Like Xavier Worthy's just making plays because the quarterback play sucks. So that was that's mine. I feel that deep in my bones. <laughs> Nelly, uh, I'll let you nerd out here. What's kind of one stat that you might have kind of run across over the past few days, few weeks or whatever, um, that kind of gets you excited about a single college football prospect? Oh, geez. Um, that's tough. I- I'll tell you what. I love Caleb Williams' uh, freshman year that he put up. His his efficiency numbers as a passer, while he was still raw, if you watch the pin play, they were still incredible. It was like 95th to 100th percentile as a passer. And, I mean, you can see his, his first play that he – that he made was when he broke that like 70 yard run against Oklahoma or no against Texas. So Caleb Williams, I'm just so excited to see what he continues to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, we're going to go over to our guest now and we're going to make him answer a really, really tough question. And our guest is Jeff Bell, one of our good friends. We know we've had him on here before, um, but we gotta, you know, we got to introduce him again. You can follow him at Twitter at for whom J Bell tolls. You can find a lot of his work over at football guys where he's the dynasty lead over there and make sure you're checking out his Debbie podcast as well um, with another one of our really good friends, Kevin Coleman. Um, he's our guy um, mainly because someone has to, 
you know, hold the burden of being a Cowboys fan. Um, I'm glad that he can do that for us. Uh, But make sure you check out the Debbie Royale as well and all the things that they're doing over on their Patreon as well as on their podcast as well. Um, So, Jeff, thank you for hopping on. And here's this difficult question for you. You have to stake your claim on one running back in the 23 class other than Jameer Gibbs and Bijan Robinson. Who would it be? I'm going to take the cop out. I'm going to take the easy answer and say Zach Evans. I think that physically he's right there with the other two guys. And, you know, physically, if he puts it all together, would it be that shocking to see him emerge as running back one in this class? He had some difficulties last year at TCU, had trouble staying healthy. We, you know, it was a sordid affair, his recruiting. There's always been mysteries and, and questions surrounding Zach Evans, but landing in the Ole Miss offense, if Lane Kiffin is able to unleash him, then I think that he is in that conversation and probably he stretches that tier even further next year. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Nelly, do you have thoughts on Zach Evans? Oh, I love I love that answer. I love Zach Evans. I, I agree. I think his ceiling is higher than than Jameer Gibbs just because of his size that he brings. And I mean, I, I agree with you. I think he has the ability to potentially push Bijan. He was incredibly efficient at TCU. He's talented. We know that. He just needs to put it all together. And there's no better place to do that than Ole Miss. I feel like there's probably a few better places than Ole Miss like to put it together, right? Like, I'm going to spitball a few for running backs. I don't know. Uh, Ohio State. I think that would be a good one if he was trying to put it together. Maybe one of the best offensive lines. I feel like Alabama would also be a really solid spot. They seem to have a good offensive line, Nelly. Um, Obviously, the Gophers. uh, Because they're (laughs) going to run. They're going to run 2,000 times this year. So, uh, Air Force. Air Force would be Air great. Force, Iowa. They're going to run. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Maybe I was Army, a little bit hyperbolic. <laughs> Navy? Like. Well, but then he would have had to serve. I don't know how that would have worked out. Oh, that's true. Okay. Take those out of the equation. Um, but no, I, I love Zach Evans. I think realistically, right, he is probably the. This is probably the easiest class right now, not talking about any of the future classes, but I think this is probably the easiest one that we've had in a while to rank three running backs, right? And if you were to tell me like which three, like pick a class when they could have the year before they, they kind of went to the NFL and you were supposed to tell me rank the three running backs and like you have to feel good about all of them hitting. I would feel much more confident about the 23 class than almost any other class, right? You're always going to have one or two guys, right? 2020 had DeAndre Swift, uh, you know, who was very good, had Jonathan Taylor. But I think outside of that, I think there were a lot of questions on who you're going to rank third. Pretty much all season, right? And you never felt confident about that. Um but I think that brings us into this bigger conversation that we've had a lot on this podcast, right? And this revolves around why everyone is trading in straight dynasty leagues. Why is everyone stocking up on 23 picks, right? Because that's happening. And if you're thinking about doing that, it's a little late because there's already one person in your league that probably has five or six of them. Um, and so, yeah. I know I've done it in leagues. Jeff has done it in leagues. Like we all are stocking up on these guys. Or if we're in Devi leagues, we're trying to trade other Devi players 
four players in this class because they're better. You know, like it, it's just what what's going to happen. And I think we have to talk about that first. We have to talk about why 2023, right? We have to start there before we can get into anything else. So, um, Jeff, I'll I'll let you just kind of tear into it. Just the broad question of why 2023? What's so good about it? So I think if you were to look at it at a macro level, you'd probably have two quarterbacks who would easily be two quarterbacks at least who are easily quarterback one in this year's class. Um, you probably go back to 2020. They'd probably be at the ter- very top of that class uh, through these. You know, last year's class was very loaded at the quarterback position, but I think you could probably put CJ Stroud and Bryce Young in the conversation with those guys as well. I don't know if they're going to bring the rushing upside that you would got from a guy like Trey Lance or from a guy like Justin Fields if they reach their ceiling. Um, But again, these guys are very polished and developed passers. So right there, you've got two quarterbacks better than anything that you're seeing in 2022. You've got three running backs that are in the conversation for running back one, pushing Brees Hall. You know, Brees Hall has become far and away such an elite prospect, but a year ago, we didn't look at him as being above Bajon Robinson for sure, but really kind of being in that conversation with Jameer Gibbs or with Zach Evans, they're all kind of viewed somewhat similarly in the Debbie space last year. And now we see Brees separate himself in this draft class, and you've got essentially three breezes at least. And you can go even deeper. You go to a guy like Sean Tucker. There's other names that can be mentioned. And then when you look at wide receivers, you probably have the wide receiver one and the wide receiver two that would have been this class with Kayshawn Boutte and with Jackson Smith and Jigba. They, those guys might have pushed to the very top of that. Even the tight end, Michael Mayer is probably tight end one in this class. So, I mean, you're running through and you've probably get to six or seven guys who would be either the 101 or the 102 in your rookie drafts now. And that's, you know, if you make the playoffs, you're still potentially adding a guy that would be at that level to your roster. And that's before we really get into the season. And we always see guys emerge, you know, and that's not even mentioning a guy like Jordan Addison, a guy like Josh Downs, that you, you'll probably will end up just the, the depth of the class will push those guys down to early second round picks. So it's not only the 23 first. If you're getting boxed up from the 23 first, target those 23 seconds as well because you're going to get good players in that round as well because there is just so much depth coming through this class. Right, and that doesn't even touch on the emergence of players we don't know, right? Yeah. Every year there's this quarterback that's going to move up rankings that we don't even know who that is yet. Um, we have heard, just like we did you know, every other year, about 20 other names at this point that, that could be associated with, with some of these top quarterbacks. Um, but that just goes to show you that not only is there a, a lot of talent in college football right now, I think that's the first thing you have to mention and B how much uncertainty there is about other people that could still break out. Right. We've seen every year, at least one running back burst onto the scene, right? Whether it's Javante Williams in the 2021 class, you have Kenneth Walker who just absolutely exploded in, in this year's class. So you, you can basically bank on one more running back that it was a fringe, you know, maybe might not even be drafted become, you know, a a second round pick in the NFL draft that's going to happen. And then you're going to have some other wide receivers that now have to step up into really big spots with so many wide receivers leaving, right? I know Shane talks about this all the time, but statistically that was the largest NFL draft class of, of draft eligible players ever. 
right? So now you're taking such a huge pool of players out of college football. Someone has to step up into those spots. And granted, that might not be just for 23 players to do. That could be for 24 players and even freshmen in the 25 class to step into those roles. But someone's going to have to do it. And that just gives us so much opportunity to figure out who's going to be next. But Shane, do you have your thoughts? No, I mean, I completely agree with Jeff. Obviously I've also been gathering up those picks. I, I think this class 2023 reminds me of the 2017 class with some more high quality schools attached to these names. You know, you have one elite pass rusher in that draft, Miles Garrett. It's going to be Will Anderson you know, Mitch Trubisky came out of nowhere, became the second pick, but we had a guy, you know, Deshaun Watson was a name that was out there, supposed to be the top guy, fell a little bit. You know, Patrick Mahomes um, was out there, but maybe didn't have the pedigree. And then, like, running back-wise, it was Leonard Fournette, Bijan, and Christian McCaffrey, Jamar Gibbs, um, and, you know, boiled down that list as well. Um, and, you know, late tight ends emerged. O.J. Howard, you know, Michael Mayer, we knew – it's going to be a first round pick and these other tight ends that are athletic, Jaheim Bell, like there's a lot of tight ends that could end up in the first round of the NFL draft that we're not talking about. There's a lot of receivers. I, I just think this is going to be a stacked. We had a stacked def- defense and O-line class uh, last year in 2022. I think it's going to be a stacked skill position class. And that's exactly why everyone's investing so much into it. Um, and so I, I think you still can do that. You know, you still can move some players, even if you're a competing team move players for 23 firsts um, or potentially early seconds. And I think it can pay off in a year when you are competing and you have rookies that are producing immediately. That's, that's always a win-win. So I'm, I'm going to just turn that comment a little bit on its head, right? Cause we obviously want to talk about dynasty a little bit too. And curious to hear Nelly's thoughts. Cause I know he doesn't mind having an older team in, in dynasty, especially when you're pushing to win. Um, but it's almost to the point now where you can trade your 23 first for a really, really good player that's already in the NFL, right? It's getting to that point, right? I, I've, in one of my leagues, I just saw Tyreek Hill get traded for a 23 first, right? So we're at this point where like people are going to give up really good players to get your firsts. So I'm curious, Natalie, like, what are your thoughts on that? And at what point, I'm going to say a nerd word, so bear with me. Like, at what point does the EV change from negative to positive for your team? I don't even know if I use that right, but I'm just going to go for it. Yeah, no, that, that's a good question. You did use that right, so well done. Kim. Yes. Um, so I guess the thing with these 23 firsts, right, is they're very – they're liquid and they're stable right now. Like your 23 first isn't going to get hurt. So it's not going to drop in value. Um, And because it's such a big class, right, we don't have to worry about, I don't know, let's say Bryce Young gets hurt. Like the the picks are still going to stay valuable. So it becomes a positive EV move to move them, I would say when you need to, right, because the negative about having a 23 first is it's not getting you points on your roster right now which is potentially fine, but if you need those extra points, you know, like if you can move a 23 first for Tyree Kill and that's going to plug a hole on your roster and you're already competing, you have a couple stud quarterbacks and you just need some points to fill in, then it becomes worth it because 
Tyreek Hill is going to continue to score points for you after this year. What you shouldn't do is move it for a stopgap, someone who's only going to be adding value to your roster for a year or two because these 23 first, the players coming out of them, they're coming at, at premium positions in quarterback and running back, and they're going to be around for a while, and they're going to hold value for a while because of how um, kind of vaulted up they are by the dynasty community. Yeah, I suppose that's a fair point. Jeff, you have thoughts on that? Well, I do. I Part of me wonders if we're not seeing a changing of the guard in the NFL because I think we're, we're seeing some of these guys like Tyreek Hill we talk about. Obviously, he's changed teams. He's no longer hooked to Patrick Mahomes. We see Devontae Adams change teams. He's no longer hooked to Aaron Rodgers. And they're getting older into an older window. We're getting that running that running back class. or We kind of had a generational group of running backs there with Dalvin Cook, with Ezekiel Elliott, with Derrick Henry, and we're losing those guys. And, you know, these last couple running back classes haven't exactly filled, like, the the holes that have been created for those. And so I almost wonder if we're not – I don't know. I don't know. It just is going to be a vacuum. It seems like in points that are going to be able to be created in this 23 classes, your biggest promise for those. Um, But it's one of those two where – I don't know if the, now's the time to move them because it's so far away and the idea in is not in people's minds. They're, they've got rookie fever for the 22 class. We know that everybody's got those up there and yeah, maybe it is time to move them because they've heard about the 23 class, but they don't know about it really yet. And now we, we know this time of year veterans are cheaper than if you were to get into the season, but at the same time, we always overestimate how good our teams are going to be. And we don't where nobody's hurt right now. And so it's one of those that I don't know. It's really a lot to give up the Jackson Smith, the Jigbar, the Bijan Robinson lottery ticket or whatever it might be for a guy that I worry about, uh, you know, talk about Tyreek Hill, a guy changing situations. That's kind of changing a production window. And I, I think that there's a lot of questions about that changing in the NFL right now. Yeah, I, I think that's fair too. I think, right? I, I think you're right. I think we're at this point now that the people that have been, right, especially when I got into Dynasty, which was what, four or five years ago, like all of those players that were scoring like top points, a few of them have left, right? Your Todd Gurley's, your kind of those sort of players. But a lot of those other players that were young are now the old players. And like, I personally haven't gone through that change yet, right? In Dynasty, I haven't seen that because I haven't been playing for 14 years or how many every years Shane has been playing Dynasty football. But like, Shane, this has happened before, right? Where we have just some really great players, then all of a sudden, th- these new classes kind of push out the old players, so to speak. Yeah, I think it definitely happens before when you have this influx of that kind of talent. And it's why, you know, in Debbie Leagues, I think it's good to to invest in some of these younger. Look, look at where that cliff's heading. When you find a class that has talent, that's going to happen, um, you know, because we, we kind of wait around. Let's say a guy like Melvin Gordon, right? The whole fantasy community is waiting around for Melvin Gordon, 29. Just get out of here. We want you out. Like, leave. When, when you have this type of talent getting pushed in, that's when those players are done. That's when an injury, you know, Dalvin Cook gets gets another bad injury. Now the Vikings can look at this draft of running back, say, okay, you know, we can just move on, right? It's easy, much easier to do that. And that's when a lot of those players get pushed out when they may hang on 
for an extra year or two. So, you know, if you've been in a Debbie league and you're trading away your Debbie picks, you're trying to win now, you know, your team can really come crashing down much quicker. And I, 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 like, like you said, can I think there's probably a lot of people that listen to our show that have not experienced that. Um, But let me tell you, it, it, it comes and it hits fast and it's, it's scary when it does because you have nothing and it's almost a start from the beginning rebuild again, especially in a Debbie league where that's a lot harder sometimes to rebuild that quickly. Well, yeah, it takes much longer in the Debbie league, right? Because now you have to try to get the best players in like the freshman class, right? And you have to wait those few years. And so many things can happen between, you know, a freshman on day one to them going into the NFL draft. Like a lot can happen there. And that's a lot more risk then I think it's a little easier probably to rebuild in a dynasty league. Not probably. It is a lot easier, right? Because it's faster, right? And there people are always going to want that running back on your team that, you know, whoever got hurt and now Chris Evans is becoming the top running back for, for a team, right? For even a game or two, right? It's a lot easier to just, trade those for a late pick and, and hope that you hit someone but if you're trading it for a late Debbie pick you're waiting still another few years for them to even get there so it it's a lot more difficult I've tried rebuilding in in Debbie it takes years right it's not like oh I just hit on some of my 2020 picks you know and now my team's basically great so it, I think it's a lot more difficult um, Benelli what are your thoughts on kind of rebuilding around this 23 class especially in Debbie have you found it more difficult in Debbie to try to get some of these 23 players um I wouldn't say well I mean like a guy like Bijan's untouchable it feels like but um some of the other guys are a little bit easier to acquire it's it's it rebuilding in Devi's tough like you were talking about it it's kind of weird you have to bet on players rather than betting on classes which is also more difficult um because as we were talking about with the picks they're more insulated than these individual players are um i guess the way that i kind of like like using this 23 classes i'd like to to have the the running backs the the running backs as my Debbie players. And there are so many good young wide receivers in the NFL that I'd, that if you can almost time that right. So that they are a couple years in, they've established themselves in the offense and you have those running backs coming in. That to me is almost like your ideal roster build. Yeah. Um, So Jeff, here's a question for you. So we've talked a lot about the 23 class. Let's say that first time listener to this podcast hasn't listened to a Devi podcast before, hasn't listened to the Devi Royale, hasn't listened to the Devi Marketplace, haven't, hasn't listened to Destination Devi, anything like that, right? And they're just finding out now about this 23 class. They missed the boat, right? One, there, there's a Jeff in your league that has six or seven first-round picks and another four or five seconds, right? There, in a lot of leagues, there's going to be that person already if, if you're allowed to trade future firsts, Right. Then I guess the question is, well, they missed the boat a little bit, right? They did. But the question is, is there another class potentially on the horizon that, you know, is it is it too is it too early to start thinking about what that 24 class is going to look like? What potentially might that 25 class look like? Um, so what are your thoughts on kind of 
the the outlook past 2023 for for Devi and Dynasty players? I think the 24 class is kind of in the in our space in our little circle it's not being underrated because we know these players but i think that in the broader broader scheme when you're really looking at it they're not really on the radar yet but i think we could put trevion henderson we can put braylon allen we can put marvin harrison jr we can put xavier worthy you guys talked about those guys you caleb williams you started the show talking about them quinn yours we haven't seen him hit yet but he could be hitting and you know jackson dart moving he could be and yeah you you look at the 24 class and the hype could bubble up almost to the same level, especially as we see more players emerge this year, like we know are going to emerge in college football. And hypothetically, if you're willing to do that slow burn, if you're willing to push out a little bit more, I think you can get into a situation in your league where somebody's saying, well, yeah, I'll give you my 24 first. Hey, I'm not touching my, at least I'm not giving up my 23 first. Sure. Here my, here's my 24 first. And here, here's a little bit extra because I'm not giving you that 23 first. And I think that if you're willing to have that long view and I know some leagues, they don't push out far enough that you can trade those picks and touch those picks yet. But if you're in a league that does, that is something that I think is kind of being underrated in the broader dynasty space because we just haven't gotten there really to talking about it outside of the Debbie community, outside of the college community. But these players, these guys can play. We know that they can play. We've, we've seen small windows where you know even just Ohio State has got three guys between Travion Henderson, Marvin Harrison Jr., and Emeka Buke who – we might be talking about those guys being right there on the same tier as 23 guys. And, you know, there are conversations right now between Travion Henderson and Bajan Robinson at the very top of Debbie. So, yes, absolutely. I think there's a great buying window for somebody that you're willing to wait and push that out, get that little bit of a discount that's built in on a later class anyways. But, you know, it, it might be the type of thing where you can grab some 24s, grab some older players along with them that they don't want. No, we all know nobody wants older players in dynasty. You can have a fun team next year and maybe you're kind of spending those players in the middle of next year where you decide, well, I've got an older team, but they didn't work. And instead of going for those 23s that nobody's going to give me up at this point, I'll just grab more 24s. Yeah. Shane, so you're an NFL draft guy, right? What, what do you think realistically the chance is, right? We saw it with, guys like Najee Harris and Travis Etienne staying in school for another year, right? When they could have been part of a very loaded running back class, right? What what are the the potential chances that we see something like that again, right? Maybe it's it's probably not going to be Bijan, right? I think we right. were pretty clear on where Bijan kind of sits. But could we be potentially in the spot where kind of this running back, a running back four, ranked running back for some people or maybe like running back six seven those guys kind of come back to school and then continue to strengthen the next class as well is that something that we should kind of be not expecting isn't the right word but is that something that we should kind of keep in the back of our minds a little bit I, I think so. I think it's possible and probable that you're going to have some players go back to school. I mean, we didn't see it quite as much this past year, but even a guy like Zach Charbonnet uh, from UCLA, right, went back to school. People were kind of expecting him to declare maybe a late day two running back. And now, you know, he's probably squarely in that top top six to eight mix of running backs in this class. I think it could happen again. Um, I, I'm interested to see how the transfers affect that could it could a guy like jameer gibbs go back to school after one year at alabama 
you know, or maybe, you know, we even see, um, you see someone like Zach Evans, who right, you got Jackson Dart for another year. You know, you got Link, you got the whole offense. Let's bring it back. Let's try to win the SEC. Like, I think we could see something uh, of that magnitude. Or as you said, Kane, you know, some of these guys that are in timeshares or in smaller schools like uh, Tank Bigsby or Sean Tucker. I don't think I don't think they're de- definitively going to declare after year three um, when they're not the top three running backs in this class. You know, Kendall Milton uh, probably going to be behind Kenny McIntosh. You know, is, is he really going to declare like that? Uh, it depends what happens and what the buzz is. But I, I think there's a good chance you're going to have some 23 running backs and maybe even receivers, you know, maybe even a Jordan Addison, same thing. You know, do you want to play another year get paid another couple million dollars more than you would in the NFL to play with Caleb Williams and try to win national championship? Like, you know, I think that can start affecting things too. We might actually see some players, more players go back to school than we want to uh, moving forward. And I think the, the NIL is important to that, right? Um, because there's some players which draft capital people have enough difficulty projecting draft capital right before the draft happens right like there's a reason why no no draft even though we know Shane's really good at predicting the NFL draft it's Shane can't get 32 out of the 32 to the right team you know at the right spot like it, it there's a reason for that right it's incredibly unpredictable um and and so I wonder if the NIL just shows a little more security for some of these, these players in college football. I don't know the, that's something that I'm kind of floating around with the back of my mind. I, Nelly, Jeff, I don't know if you guys have thoughts on that, but it feels like people are kind of a little bit might feel more safe getting that money in college. So I I've thought a, a lot about this recently. And I think that at the quarterback position, we know the value of quarterbacks in the NFL draft. And I think that 23 or this past year was a little bit of a blip on the radar. We kind of have to push that out of our mind as far as a quarterback. If you're if you know, you're going to be a top five pick or you feel pretty good about that. I don't think college financially can match that. My, my question, I almost wonder, we know as college football fans going back, there's a long storied tradition of hit at the running back position. And if college, if somebody were in charge at all at the NCAA or whatever it might be, and, and they were enterprising and they were thinking about this, why wouldn't they say, we know that these guys have traditionally propped up universities, you know, Ohio state. We think Eddie George is still a local legend at, at Ohio state or, um, I mean, Archie Griffin is still kind of hanging around. If you're the NIL and you're, you're the boosters and you're kind of pushing this money, I almost wonder if you could just kind of let it go a little bit on the quarterbacks and you say, well, hey, Travion Henderson, you know, you probably might be a second round pick or a late pick in the 20s, whereas you can come back to Ohio State. We'll give you five million dollars for another year. We'll put you on the cover of everything and we will center our entire marketing around you. We get another year out of you. You make more. You make I mean, a a second round pick rookie contract, I think, is like eight million dollars over the course of the four years or something like that. We'll give you five million dollars fresh out, and you're going to make what you're going to make more than in these two other two years. And you're going to be the big man on campus. You're going to be the center of everything. And I almost wonder if that's not really the play with NIL instead of, 
I mean, you, you want to have a quarterback there as well as much as you can, and those, those we know that those are the glamour positions. But if you are college football and you really wanted to build this thing up and build up the marketing, that's the position I would look at, and I would say the NFL has devalued this position. You get lower draft capital, be on lower. You have a lower chance of hitting that second contract. Live it up for a year, and and maybe that might be a path that might be explored. Nelly, do you have thoughts on this whole NIL, maybe people staying in school thing? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything that's been said so far. I think it's interesting, and it's certainly, certainly exploitable. Not exploitable, but like the landscape could very well change. I would be surprised if it didn't. I think another big thing that hasn't been mentioned is if Travion Henderson stays for his fourth year, he comes out with a degree as well. Whereas you're probably not getting that in three years. It's hard to do that quickly. So, yeah, I mean, it it makes sense financially uh, for some of these guys if they're going to make more money and avoid the uncertainty for a little while. Um, I I think something that could counter that is, like, becoming a pro athlete, right? Like, your full-time job is the sport. You're no longer going to classes. Um, I think that's appealing to athletes but if you're going to make a couple more million dollars it's worth it to go to class for another year and then walk away with a degree so it's uh, it's i don't have a crystal ball i can't tell you what's going to happen but it's going to be very interesting to see what's going to happen yeah and i know i i know some people obviously with some colleges that are in those conversations trying to figure out right, as they're making a collective for their school or, or what have you right to figure out how they can influence basically students to come to their college to play sports, right? And I think that's going to happen more and more, and you're going to see that pretty much everywhere. Within the next year, you're going to see a collective at just about every D1 college. I almost, so thinking about application to the Debbie community, like a guy like Lou Nichols, I almost wonder if we don't see a guy at a smaller school, if we're not seeing aggressive attempts to lure them to a bigger school and and money flashed around a little bit and those stories, I wonder if, if maybe we should be looking at that as a flag on, is this guy viewed as being an NFL talent? Is this guy like, or should we view this guy differently in the Debbie landscape on staying at a smaller school if that's going to get to that point or not. And I know, you know, obviously we had Christian Watson this year. We had Trey Lance last year. We have Khalil Shakur. We have all these other guys that have been at G5 schools. But I almost wonder if a guy breaks out at a G5 school and if big schools aren't coming calling, is that something that maybe we should be taking a look at in terms of the Debbie community? I think so to be honest with you, right? We we saw how many guys that we loved in, in our CFF leagues, right? Corey Rucker, um, Jalen Cropper, right? The, these guys that, like, could go to bigger schools. And if if they don't, what does that say about their talent, right? Because unless, you know, you, there's always going to be those players, right, that are happy with where they are, and there's the reason why they chose that school. Um, but I think it's getting to the point where a lot of things are going to get leaked now about how much people are willing to to pay players and things like that. And I think that has to influence some decisions, I would guess. You look at Carson Strong this past year. He didn't get drafted. And is that something that, I mean, 
obviously that we're in the very starting stages of this, but that's almost something where, you know, if, if a Texas A&M or somebody with a quarterback problem, isn't banging down Carson Strong's door to get him to their school and they're allowed to leave it to stay at Nevada. I mean, that seems like we should be sending off alarm bells, bells in our minds there. Yeah. Shane, do you have thoughts? Um, you know, I even wonder this is a little off topic, I guess, but I even wonder if, we get to a point where college football, the NCAA lets these players back, right? Like after the draft, if you don't go drafted that these schools might say, but let us get Carson strong back in Nevada. Let it, let them transfer. You know uh, we see players transferring, right? Like May 1st, you back that up a week, you have a week to decide you can come back to college, you know, re-enroll and, and done, you know, it'd be interesting. I, I think from a Debbie takeaway is just, you know, don't it a don't expect your players to come out after three years definitively if they're not the top tier guys like kind of plan you might not get this guy you know because I, I i know i do that a lot i'm like okay who who's 2023 eligible i'll have those guys this year and i'll have 2020 and then it never works out that way and i got like three guys sitting on my taxi squad i was like man i thought jerry on ely was coming out a year ago now he's sitting there and then he goes and drafted like it's like oh all the all this goes down so you know especially with roster spots and that kind of thing. Don't like make that plan two, three years in advance. This is when these I'll get these players. Cause that it doesn't happen. You know, guys bust or they stay in school or, you know, whatever. Um, and I think something to start following that Jeff was talking about. Nelly was talking about, you know, these, these players that transfer up um, even if it's, you know, non-power five to power five, or if it's uh, FCS up, you know, start tracking them, see how they do, see how what that trend looks like, because that could be a Debbie strategy soon. You know, drafting Kanata Mumfield and, you know, drafting Antoine Wells, drafting some of these players that are moving up could be, you know, decent. I mean, no one drafted Bailey Zappi as a Debbie player, right? <laughs> like, like CFF, you know, C2C, yeah, but no one drafted Bailey Zappi. But if, if you, some, you know, if you did in the Superflex, if you would have taken him on some like deep Debbie, like, you know, Maybe the situation's not like he's starting, but I mean, he, he got round four draft capital. Like, it's pretty good. So, you know, what's that going to start looking like? Are those maybe players that we can target that you can get in your last round of your Debbie draft and actually end up paying off? I think that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah. So, before we move on to our next segment, does anyone have any other comments on everything that we've talked about so far? 23 draft, uh, potentially 24 draft NIL stuff. Anyone have any other comments on that before we kind of move on? I wanted to touch a little bit on the 24 first. I, I, I think right now is the cheapest they'll ever be, right? Like, and the thing is, if you trade for a 24 first right now, you don't have to wait till 2024 to draft a rookie. You can sit on that pick for a little while. Mid-season comes around. Your pick has gone up a little bit in value because Quinn Ewers plays well, and that'll single-handedly move up the value of your pick. Um you can trade that pick. Like you don't have to wait to draft someone. So I just think, I think right now people are so enamored with 2023 and 2022 still going on that no one's even thought about 2024 yet. So that's a good way to gain some value. I'm with you. So let's move on to our next segment here. Shane, do you want to teach us something? Yeah, I I can. I'm actually going to go a little away from history. You may not know if you're a listener, I, I teach psychology now, which is not my background in the slightest, but you know, sometimes the school sticks you where they want you. And uh, that's the case. Are we going to so, talk about cults? I, I'm not going to talk about cults. I'm going to talk about 
uh, something happened in the last five days. Uh, so very recently, uh, a pair, and this is rare to happen, a pair of identical twins that were separated at two years old were found to have been identical twins. One was in South Korea and one was in the United States. Uh, one got literally one got lost in a shopping mall, like market, like a grocery store in South Korea, and they didn't have identifying stuff and stuck. You know, she got adopted in the United States. Um, so a pair of identical twins. And the crazy thing about this is, you know, if you've ever looked at identical twins separated at birth, their personalities are very, very similar. Like, so both these twins separated two years old, their personalities are almost identical. Um, so, you know, nature versus nurture, right? Uh, but one of the, the crazy part about this is the I, there's a large IQ difference. Generally, identical twins or IQs are about seven points within range of each other. It's not going to be very different. Uh, 16 point difference uh, here. And based on the upbringings, the one from the United States had the lower IQ, was raised in a more rough you know, home worst home, you know, that has an influence on IQ. And so it's kind of debunking as many things have done a lot of the IQ. This is, you know, not your natural intelligence you're born with, but that's kind of BS um, through these identical twin studies. So it's a big part of psych. And I think it's always interesting. If you ever get a chance, like YouTube, there's a good Ted talk about a woman. All she does is study identical twins separated at birth and just goes and interviews them. And like the crazy similarities between these these people in completely different homes separated at birth. It's, it's wild. Wow. <laughs> I feel like it's one rabbit hole. Like Kane would go down one day, just searching identical twins separated at birth. If like you think, if you think I'm going to bed even remotely after this podcast, <laughs> no, no, nope. I'm going to bring those. I'm going to be at that point where I'm going to bring headphones to bed. Cause I'm going to be like listening to this and like trying to read about it. Ooh, this might be on par with cults for me. It, for any listener good. that doesn't know, I love cults. Like, really love cults. I enjoy reading about them. I love watching just about anything on them. That's my that's my jam. Um, so this, I appreciate this. This is gonna take some time. I'm gonna go down this rabbit hole. Something fierce. Um, but now that Shane has taught us something, we have to do what we do always on the Devi Marketplace. We have to do a buy, sell, and unknown stock because we know that people that players' values constantly move. Um, so I'm going to go first, which is not something I normally do, but I'm going to just go first here. And we talked about this a lot on the Secret Shopper pod. So the other pod that we do, um, if you're part of the Discord, you can become a Secret Shopper for $25 a year, get access to all of our rankings, all that stuff. So make sure you check that out. Um, and make sure you join the Discord. It's going to be in the description of these comments. And the Discord itself is 100% free. So make sure you join it. Um, the player that I'm buying, we talked about this quite a bit, but I'm buying Kenny Pickett. Now, the reason why is that if realistically, right, let's say people have seen him, you know, drafted as far back as 109 in some leagues, right? Let's just take a nice middle ground and say 106. Say Kenny Pickett is drafted like 105, 106, right? And if, if we realistically look at the values in one year, right, when we're getting ready to, uh, you know, we might have just drafted our 23 rookies. How many players that were drafted ahead of Kenny Pickett are still going to be drafted higher than Kenny Pickett in the startup in a year? I would, I would want to bet that uh maybe one or two 
right? Maybe the ones that hit. Um, but if a wide receiver doesn't hit year one, we're basically off of them, right? And the quarterback's value insulation is so safe. So that's kind of where I'm at. I think Kenny Pickett, sure, he's not exciting, but he's also probably one of the safest picks out there in, in, in rookie drafts right now in terms of just the value insulation. So I think he's actually a buy. Um, I actually just traded. We made the trade live on the Secret Chopper pod that uh, I traded Mac Jones for Kenny Pickett plus a second. Um, so I, I'm totally fine doing that. Sure, we know Mac Jones a little bit, and we don't know what Kenny Pickett's going to bring, um, but th- that also is worth a little bit more to me, right? That ceiling could be higher than a Mac Jones in a better offense with better weapons. So I'm, I'm, that's that's definitely someone that I'm buying. Someone that I'm selling, and I feel like we can just mute Nelly's mic after this one because, oh no, he might have word. But one guy that I'm consistently lower on than just about everyone else is Sean Tucker. Right. And the reason why, right, is because not only are there really, really good running backs in the 23 class. Right. So to be compared against those, I think, is you're bound to lose. Right. Being compared to Gibbs, to Bijan, to Zach Evans, those sort of guys. Right. And then you add in the fact that there's going to be other running backs that are going to be vaulted up into that conversation. I have a hard time understanding why he's already being kind of touted as like this, the, the locked and loaded almost RB4 of this class. It doesn't make sense to me. Like Tank Bigsby is still really, really talented, though they don't use him much at Auburn, which makes no sense because Auburn's a terrible coaching staff. We thought it'd get better, but it didn't. It's actually somehow got worse for Tank Bigsby's usage, right? It, it got worse, which we didn't expect. Um, but I, that's my sell because I have a really hard time with where he's being drafted right now, which is with it's getting close to being, a, you know, a second round pick in Debbie startups. I have a hard time for that coming to fruition for me. So that's something that uh, that's a sell for me. Um my unknown stock right now is every Alabama wide receiver. Like, we know some of them are going to be good. We know at least a few Alabama wide receivers are going to be really, really good. But which ones? I don't know. Like, I, I think most people believe that Jermaine Burton's going to be really good. But outside of Jermaine Burton, who's going to be those other guys? Question marks. Right. And we, we thought we would ha- kind of understand who those guys were going to be this year, you know, with maybe some freshmen in a hall and, and Ja'Cory Brooks and Jojo Earl kind of stepping up at some point throughout the season that didn't happen as much as we thought it was going to. Um, so I'm still trying to figure out what we're doing with these Alabama wide receivers. So that's my unknown stock right now. How about you, Shane? I, I'm buying Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, it's Debbie month. So uh, he, you know, I'll, I will continue to bang the drum for him. I think he's a talented quarterback. I think he showed it. He had the production last year when he got in the game. Great spring game. His receivers can't catch a cold, but that's fine. He's going to be able to throw it and sling it. Uh, so I think if you're still behind on Tyler Van Dyke, 
with, you know, six or seven, it's going to be seven first round quarterbacks or Will Levis, whatever. Just, just take Tyler Van Dyke, just stay quiet. And um, I, I think even with the Mario Cristobal offense, he'll be just fine. Uh, my cell is, you know, when I look at like my Debbie rankings, uh, almost outside of those top four running backs, uh, maybe top five, I kind of sell the next tier. So like the Will Shipley's, the Donovan Edwards, which, which I know, you know, once again, Nelly, a big Donovan Edwards fan. Like, I I just don't feel confident that Will Shipley and Donovan Edwards are like going to smash and be, you know, top tier running backs like are they gonna be top 100 running backs like they have the talent but are they ever gonna hit you know really like do that like even you know tank bigsby came mentioned. i love tank bigsby I, I, I don't know like i almost wanted to sell those for receivers that i feel more comfortable with the nfl moving toward um so i'm just not comfortable with that tier of running backs my unknown is um it's kind of the, the freshman quarterbacks is, is it is it kate klubnik is it uh Drew Aller, like who, who is this top freshman quarterback? I, I kind of like Aller's upside, but, but Kate Klubnick, I think is an opportunity maybe to start if DJU um, suffers this year and doesn't do very well. I, I have sh- struggles with the, the freshman QBs and deciding because one of those guys is probably going to be like the elite quarterback of the 2025, but can I pick the right one? I, I don't know if I can. Nelly, how about you? Yeah, I'm selling everyone Shannon Kane likes because they don't like anyone I like. Uh, no, um, <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. We'll see how it ends up in a couple of years. I'm going to go with the theme for my buys and sells. I'm going to go with those wide receiver transfers that we've been uh, that we were talking about earlier. I'm buying Isaiah Nayer Nayer at Texas. He transferred from Wyoming. He's like six foot three, two fifty, two hundred fifteen pounds, and he's a really good athlete. He's fast. His numbers. For my fellow nerds out there, you'll appreciate this. His numbers at Wyoming were absurd. In his third season, he had like a 53% weighted dominator, which was, I think, highest in the country. He was he was um, just incredibly productive at a weaker school. And there was a, there was a highlight. Uh, we love our highlights out of spring games of him cap- catching a deep ball from Quinn Ewers. And uh, so, I don't know. I think he's in for a big year, and he has those physical tools that the NFL love. Now, on the flip side of the coin, my sale is going to be Corey Rucker at South Carolina. Um, I really liked him, right? Like at his freshman year, he had one game that was absurd. He put up a, a handful of touchdowns. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he hasn't quite put it fully together at Arkansas State. He he was hurt a little bit last year, and there were some other wide receivers that were still producing. Uh, so he wasn't entirely dominant. And now he's going to South Carolina a little bit late. It's already a bit of a crowded wide receiver room, and there's not going to be a ton of passing volume. So I just worry that he gets lost in the shuffle there. I'm probably selling at current cost. Um, and then my unknown's a, a deeper guy. It's uh, Tyler Hudson. He, he's uh, transferred to Louisville from Central Arkansas. I would think that most probably haven't heard this name, but this guy was very, very, very productive at Central Arkansas. He had a couple seasons above 35% market share. Um, and he was actually a pretty big recruit. He was like, like uh, I think like an 82 rated recruit on 24-7 and just decided to go the, the, F, the FCS route. And it worked for him because he was dominant. But now I think he steps into Louisville and is the lead wide receiver right away. But I don't know. Is it too late? 
who knows? So we'll see what happens with him. Hey, Nelly, you you were recently in a C2C draft. Uh, do you know by chance who also has that wide receiver on their team? Yeah, it, it wasn't me. I, someone named Kane took him instead of me. I think yeah. I think that probably had something to do with the tip that I gave in the Discord to draft Tyler Hudson. So, you know what? Yeah, I'll, that's I'll, on you. Yeah, I'll take the victory lap if he hits. All right, sounds good. Jeff, who are your players here? All right, so I'm going to buy the guy that I feel like is the forgotten guy in the Ohio State quarterback room, Kyle McCord. Um, you know, Devin Brown has got so much hub, hub, and everybody's very excited about Devin Brown coming in. C.J. Stroud, we know he is potentially the best quarterback in college football right now and could potentially be the first quarterback off the board. Kyle McCord's kind of hanging out out there, and he had a little bit of opportunity to play last year. He's got a very live arm, and assuming he takes over and gets a year as Ohio State starting quarterback, he's going to have Marvin Harrison Jr. He's going to have a Mecca Abuka, and while he just seems to be valued tiers behind the, the guys at the top that are already in starting jobs, and he could leapfrog them and be the first quarterback selected in 2024, so I'll go ahead and buy Kyle McCord. My sell is Damian Pierce, and I'm bouncing outside of Debbie here, but uh, I think a lot, it, it kind of seems like the conversation is Damian Pierce is already the Texans starting running back. And I think there, there's some real competition for him to even get that role. And he never was a bell cow back at Florida. So if you're in a league that somebody already thinks Damian Pierce is the unquestioned Texans starting running back, sell Damian Pierce because then you don't have to worry about how that's going to play out. And even if he does hit, we all know that there's a guy in Austin, Texas that, you know, if, assuming Davis Mills is the quarterback, Bijan Robinson might look, look pretty good in that Texans backfield in a year and might be the, just like Brees Hall happened with Michael Carter. So even if you do get a year of production out of Damian Pierce, who knows how that's going to play out with the 2023 class. My unknown is uh, Devin Neal at Kansas. And I don't really know what to do with Devin Neal because I don't know if he's just essentially the tallest short guy in the Kansas locker room and he is the best player there or I don't know if Devin Neal is an NFL player and so it I really struggle on how to evaluate him how to look at him because we know Kansas is building that Lance Leopold um I believe that's coach. I don't want to blank on who actually the coach is, um, but he they were very competitive last year against Texas and against Oklahoma, and and they might be building something there. But again, I don't know if this is a guy that is um, the, the most talented guy in the room that's going to have some college production, and he's just not an NFL profile, or if he or we're sitting on a potential potential another twenty twenty four top back. Yeah, I, that's fair. Also. I know Kai Thomas pretty well, and he wouldn't have transferred there if he thought that he wasn't going to get some playing time. So that's something worth noting as well. Um, but Jeff, from Shane Nelly and I, we just want to thank you so much for spending, you know, the last 50 some minutes just talking with us, talking about Debbie and, and letting our listeners kind of learn more about you and your process as well. So we just want to let you take this time to let people know where they can find you, um, where they can find all of your written work, as well as your podcast and things like that. I just want to start by saying thank you guys. You know, I, I really appreciate appreciate all three of you guys. Every time I can talk to any of you guys on Twitter, it's fantastic conversation always. And so thank you for allowing me to share this time. You can find me on Twitter for whom J bell tolls. Um, usually having some fun over there. I try to keep it pretty light on Twitter. You can find my written work with football guys and, and some things coming out through our Debbie Royale Patreon. That's kind of where more of the Debbie work 
sits in that Patreon there. And then the show is Tuesday nights at 9.30, the Debbie Royale. And, and then you can find that on all your podcast networks. But again, thank you guys so much for this time. Hey, we appreciate you and make sure that you check out all of Jeff's work. Um, but just remember, thank you so much for listening and we appreciate every single one of you.